We live in a world where it seems like cruelty is much worse than what it was maybe when you and I were your daughter's age. Mm -hmm. Do you ever have like thoughts or feelings of like at some point someone's going to be an asshole? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, does that run through your head at all? Like how she's going to react to it and how can you prepare her for that? Yeah. I don't, I mean, you know, I think at a younger age when she's, yeah, that's, that's actually really tough. Um, When she's kind of able to cognitively understand it, just kind of have a very real and straightforward conversation with her. Like, you know, uh, not to get too worked up here. Like you are different than everybody else. And that's a fact. Like that's, that's what it is. And that's okay. Yeah. It's okay to be different. Um, uh, but you just need to understand that, that you are, and that's just the hand you were dealt. And, uh, um, and that's fine. It's, it's a challenge. We'll figure it out. You're, you know, we, you know, thankfully, you know, we have, um, the means, you know, to, to take care of her and loving parents and loving family and, you know, big white family. And, um, you know, as she gets older, we're, I mean, she's going to have whatever the hell she wants. Right. I mean, she's, you know, she's going to go to college. She's going to do all those things. We, we met an a, 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 a person that has OI. She's 35. Now she works for NASA. She's married, went to A&M. Great example of like what, you know, what you can, what you can do with this. And there's, there's more severe cases of it too. Like she's, and has only had like, I say only, I think she's had like eight to 10 breaks since, you know, since the womb, um, or since coming out. Um, there's some kids that have, 60 bricks a year, 100 bricks a year. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? So you really, you really put it in perspective that like, this is hard and this, you know, this sucks, uh, but it's not the end of the world. Right. I mean, she's, again, she's, she's strong girl. She's super smart. She does all her things. She has all the means to, to do these things. She's got her little wheelchair and, um, you know, we're, you know, the goal is that she'll be like, maybe in like a walker, maybe walk on her own someday, you know, with, with cane or something. Right. Um, I'm not just like, giving up, you know, on that. And I think that was like, that was probably the hard part with, um, going through the hospital and everything else. There was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of sympathy, which is fine. You know, uh, I'm just, I've never been one for like sympathy or like hand is like, Oh, I'm so sorry. This has happened to you. I'm like, well, don't be sorry. Like help, mm-hmm. help me. Yeah. Like, like I don't need like, and not that I'm not grateful for, but like, I don't need your sympathy. Like I just need you to help me like help us do this thing. Like treat her like any other kid. Cause she is like any other kid. Right. Um, uh, uh, yeah, uh, it just, yeah, that was, so I'm saying all that and that her, her case is not mild. It's kind of middle of the road for, because some, some of my patients are like you and I, like, and you don't even know that you have it unless you like, you know, you or I'll step off a curb and we'll twist our ankle, but an OI patient would like break their ankle, right? Very, very mild cases of it. And there's very severe cases like I talked about. And so it really puts it in perspective that like, you know, and, and, and I don't want to, um, how do I say this? I don't want to uh, take away from anybody else's burdens, especially with their kids, but there are kids with cancer out there. There are kids with afflictions and things that are, that are very severe, you know, very debilitating. And um, I almost hate to say this, but like, we don't, we don't have that, those issues. We don't have those very serious issues. We go to the infusion center uh, every six weeks, I think to get the pimigenate. It's, it's crazy. It's a, it's a four hour infusion. Um, it's actually a really small doses, but they, shit ton of saline in there and it goes over four hours. So imagine keeping like a three-year-old still for like three, you know, for four hours and it's a lot of iPhone and games and everything else. And so we go to the infusion center at Cooks. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook, the podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, 
Jeremy Spann. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. And for more information, go to myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's with an ED, myexperiencedrealtor.com. When you get to the landing page, top right corner, <clears throat> there's a little button called podcast. You click on that and you can scroll down and either listen to these episodes on the web domain or you can download whatever preferred platform you have, Amazon, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. And there's also a read more button so that way you can learn more on great guests like we have today, Jared Clark. Welcome, Jared. How are you doing? <clears throat> Thanks for having me, man. Uh, uh, great way to start off 2021, I think. So, yeah, 2021, yeah. right? Now that we got the 2020 post-pandemic riding, protesting election year trifecta <laughs> yeah. behind us. And let's not forget the hurricanes and fires, right? Yeah, all that, all that oh, lumped together. Oh, um, yeah. Ready to ready to kick off this year. And uh, like I said, this is a great way to do it. Thanks for, thanks for having me, man. Oh, this man. is awesome. So. I, love, I, I love that you came in here. I knew <laughs> when I was going to start this series that I knew at some point I wanted to get you in here. But I also realized that in the uh, last several months, you might have had a thing or two on your plate. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Have <laughs> you been a business owner in 2020? It's fantastic, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nobody's nobody's been immune to any of this stuff going on, right? So it's uh, it, it definitely in the energy space is is has been has been tough, you know, putting it lightly. So oh yeah. yeah. Well, um, you and I have a lot of things in common, knowing each other from the Fort Worth <clears> Club, uh, you being a just a great supporter of Cowtown Warriors and many other charities, but we also <clears> share <throat> daughters. <clears throat> so I've got to start all these off with a joke, so i got a joke for you. Ready all for right. this? Let me all right. <clears throat> all right, here we go. Here we go. I'm sure this is the first time you've heard this. Yeah, one. oh yeah. What do you call your daughter's boyfriend when, she, when he brings her back after 10 p.m.? Late, you call an ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Even I, if you hadn't heard that before, I'm yeah. sure there's somewhere in the back of your head yeah. you thought about that before, yeah. right? Well, the dad jokes come out, you know, hard now with the with with daughters and all that fun stuff. So yeah. Oh yeah. Never get tired of it. So. No, no, no. Especially no. since mine's turning twenty this Friday. You believe yeah, that? That's scary. God, yeah. Believe, I mean, that makes me feel just like really, really ancient to know that my daughter's turning twenty. Yeah. And uh, and I still like to call her Wikipedia because she knows every damn thing. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. She yeah, knows yeah. a lot more than you do, Dad. Like, no, I mean, yeah. what do I know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm getting close to 50. What <laughs> would I know about this planet after being on here for a half a millennium? Yeah. God, that really that really sounds horrible. That sounds, uh, yeah. That's, Man, is that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You get to do great things. Well, so for the audience, mm -hmm. let's talk about you. Where do you come from? What do you do? You're a business owner. What, you know, tell us, tell us about you. Uh, yeah. So Jared Clark, like Jeremy said, uh, me and my business partner, Judson Culpepper, run a, a oil and gas brokerage land group um, uh, called Forza Resources. We started that in 2009. Um, lots of trials and tribulations ever since. Uh, baptism by fire, as you can imagine, diving headfirst in there. And um, we can get into a lot of those details later. But um, uh, yeah, originally from Kansas, grew up in North Dallas, which wasn't really North Dallas back then as McKinney. Uh, Texas, um, that was the hometown and, uh, uh, don't get back there too often, but, uh, yeah, maybe got my roots here in Fort Worth and I'm glad to be here and definitely going to stay here for as long as I can. I don't so what made you pick Fort Worth? Um, I worked here post-college. It's where I met my business partner now, uh, back in the Barnett heyday, uh, became a landman. Um, had no clue what I was doing at all. <laughs> um, learned along the way and, and figured some things out, I think, uh, to, to, to today, but, um, moved to East Texas when we started Forza 
then moved to College Station, kind of moved all over and just kind of a nomad. And then, uh, but I'd always told myself, uh, I just fell in love with Fort Worth and, and I always wanted to get back here. And the first opportunity I could, uh, I, I took it. And that was actually in the 14, 15 downturn. You know, things weren't looking too hot for Forza and me and my partner. And <clears throat> we had to scale down tremendously from uh, how many people were working for us down to just a handful of us. And and that was my cue. I was like, I'm getting back to Fort Worth. I, I just love this town. So. so you came back to Fort Worth after the oil crash in 14. Yeah, it would have been. I think it was it was 14 when I when I came back. So uh, and that best decision by far I've ever made, both personally, professionally, uh, uh, you know, personally, just because, you know, got married, and, you know, all that fun stuff. And then the connections I've made in Fort Worth, it's just a very genuine, open um uh, town, you know, it's, it's, it's conservative, but it's, but it's progressive in a sense that, you know, we're kind of open-minded to pretty much anything as long as it makes sense. Um, still got that cow cowboy cow town heritage that I just love. Um, I just love showing off this town, you know, when people come and, um, uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to describe exactly what I love totally about it, but I just knew that this is where I wanted to make my roots. And, um, it's just a very Texas town too, as opposed to Dallas, Houston, Austin, they're, <laughs> It's hard to really it's hard to really even call those cities, you know, Texasy these days, you know. And uh, so I think I think especially Fort Worth, Austin, right? Yeah. The what do they call it? The, the blueberry and the in the tomato soup or whatever. Um, <laughs> the blueberry. And the yeah, I, I'd heard that. I think I don't know who said that. Uh, but uh, Fort Worth is just it's just it kind of embodies all the things that still is Texas. And um, and I just love that about it. So Man, and one of the things when I think of you is you are absolutely one of the most approachable guys I've ever met. Matter of fact, no one's ever said a bad word about. You. I think you know, especially in Fort Worth, biggest small town ever. Oh right? yeah, it's totally. so insatiable that it's just ridiculous. Yeah, and you know, you, you could tell a lot about somebody is what do what do people say about that person when that person's not around? Mm, right, I, scares the hell out of me. Oh no, 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 no! <laughs> no I'm just you're, kidding. You're, no, yeah. You're, um, your name in any sentence has always come with an incredible amount of positivity. I hope. And, yeah, and, I hope and, so. and one of those things is you. You're described as having one of the biggest hearts there is, like a heart size of Texas. Mm. And one of the things that I know about you is your generosity of charities and what you've done to involve yourself, whether it was the deal that's done up at the Fort Worth Club for the library. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know you invited me to come. It seemed like yeah. every time you invited me to that, I was, Smoker I was night. Travels. That's a great, yeah, that's a great night. event, man. Yeah. And then Cowtown Warriors and just, you're just, you're just one of the most generous guys that I know. Try, and, I try to yeah. be. Uh, yeah. yeah um, um, you know, I, you know me, man. I'm pretty social. I like, I like being involved in stuff, but uh, uh, some of the biggest involvements besides, uh, library and um uh, cowtown is a cook children's because you know our daughter we spent a lot of time there and everything and so yeah. um it's just i don't know i get i get a sense of doing something you know sense of purpose when we get involved with things like that and actually helping out and you kind of know like my background with cowtown um both my parents were kind of a little history here both my parents were air force brats and so we we grew up in like a pseudo military. I wouldn't say a military family necessarily, but, um, you know, just a big appreciation for, for that. You know, both my granddads were Army Air Corps and then became Air Force, um, you know, World War Two, Korea, Vietnam. And uh, just a just a you know big appreciation and affinity for what service members do like yourself. And, uh, you know, I almost joined the military back in 9-11. I was you know, right out of high school. And, uh, you know, part of me still kind of regrets regrets a little bit of that to this day. I tell my wife, I think the. 
I think the, the minimum for age on a uh, active duty is like 34. I think they like raised it. And so I'm past 34 now, but I keep yeah. like, I keep threatening my wife with like, Hey, <laughs> I just want to join the army and like go, you know, fly helicopters. Or if, something. If, if barrels of oil keep going down, I'm yeah. listening in the military. <laughs> yeah. Well, Hey, we're at, we're at 50 bucks today. So that's actually a, a big win. But, um, well, but you, yeah, so yeah good. and you brought and you brought Blake Harris to oh, one yeah. of the events. Blake's fantastic guy. I love yeah. that guy. And yeah. Blake used to work for you, right? Yeah, he did. He worked for Forza down in College Station. Um, fantastic guy, level-headed, you know, former Marine. And um, just, uh, you know, we kind of connected pretty quickly. And he helped me out with a lot of, uh, with a with an industry um, group that we put together down there. And uh, then he moved to Dallas. I went to Fort Worth. And we still keep up pretty well. Um, and, uh, just solid guy. I love that guy. Yeah, so. And that's, that's how I got to know Blake mm-hmm. was you brought him to one of the Cowtown Warrior Balls. Yeah, right? I think that's right. Yeah. And then when we found out he was a Marine, he's a very sharp guy. We suckered him into becoming a board member where he's still a board member of Cowtown Warriors today. And he's yeah. added just an incredible amount of value. And that's, that's one of the magical things about Fort Worth, right? Is <laughs> you get to meet people some way, some form or fashion that ends up connecting things to become just absolutely magical. You know, the value he's added, the energy he's brought, the level-headedness and logic thinking. He's a very logical thinker, yeah. right? Uh, East to, Texas guy. East Texas so guy, kind right? Of salt that, of the earth, right, yeah. right, right there behind the pine curtain. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> he was able to really help Cowtown not only become successful, but in a post-pandemic world, continue to be successful. Mm. And so would it never met him if it wasn't for you? And that's, man, that's the power of networking Fort Worth, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Is sure you have networks all, all over the planet, but there's something about Fort Worth where it is not what you know. It is who you know. Mm-hmm. Your network is your net worth yeah. here in Fort Worth. I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, uh, no matter what job you have, you know, it, it, you know blue collar job, white collar, you know, uh, eight to five hour, you know, hourly job, whatever it is. Uh you know, kind of gone are the days you just kind of pick up the phone book and find somebody like if, if nobody knows you exist, then they're not going to call you. Right? right. I mean, again, no matter what you do, you know, if you're mm-hmm. a landman, an engineer, Marine, whatever it is, um, like kind of gone are those days. And so if, 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 you know, and word of mouth recommendations are always tenfold more than, than, than anything else. It's just like you go on Yelp and Google reviews and all this stuff. Like you're going to look at some of these reviews. Oh, this has five stars, this four stars, three stars, you know, it's always word of mouth that's going to get you get you to kind of where you want to be and who you want to talk to. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's just not as easy as opening the phone book any day and then here's the plumber I'm going to hire. You know, it's it's always hey Jeremy, you got a good plumber I can you know call and yeah, that's it and, and yeah. that's it. So, um, so yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so you're in Fort Worth. You relocate your business here. Uh, uh, so caveat to that. So we have um, the office here in Fort Worth, and yeah. then my partner runs the East Texas office. Gotcha. Um, primarily focused on East Texas, Louisiana. Um, and I kind of have everything else. We, we, there's a lot of cross pollinization between the offices. It's a lot smaller office here. Uh, but, uh, so most of the boots on the ground are out there, but, um, like I said, he handles most of the East Texas, Louisiana stuff and I kind of have everything else. It's like South Texas, West Texas, Midcon, Illinois, the renewable stuff. Um, yeah, we help you out, help each other out constantly, you know, but, um, that's kind of the demarcation between our offices. So. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you're here in 14. Mm-hmm. The oil industry is just plummeted. Yeah. What yeah. what do, what do you do? I mean, as a business owner owning this company, what do you, what, what do you do? do through something like that? Uh yeah, so just for like a sense of scale and everybody else, you know, everybody else in the business um experiences too and you know, some maybe weren't as fortunate unfortunately, but uh um 
we had roughly 150 guys working for us and we went down to like three, three or three to five, I think is what it was like me and my partner and a couple other guys. And I mean, talk about a hit. Right. And, uh, you know, we had a couple of small projects to kind of keep us going. And, um, you know, the thing that really kept us going is, is knowing people to reach out to and talk to and, and, uh, and connect with. And, um, even during downturns, there's always opportunity, right? There's always things going on, you know, buy low, sell high type thing. And that's, that's what's happening right now. Despite all these, (laughs) despite all these articles you read of, you know, the death of big oil and the end of big oil. I'm sorry. That's just, I don't know if I should mark my words here on the (laughs) the podcast, but, but like it greatly exaggerated, you know, everything is, 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 because of oil and gas, it just is yeah. everything. It's not so much energy production and driving cars and flying planes. It's it's materials and production and and everything in here is made of some sort of plastic or epoxy or, um, and so uh, so with that said, you're seeing a ton of acquisitions and mergers happen all over the place. You know, big companies buying small companies, small companies getting backed and throwing money around. I mean, uh, the ticker comes through every day. I keep up with this stuff, and I'm just. I'm just blown away at how much money is 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 being thrown around and uh, to to purchase all this stuff. I was talking to some guys today about a big purchase in East Texas. Um, you know, again, you read the news, you know, MSNBC, yeah. Bloomberg, whatever. You know, you just think all's lost and uh, and oil's going away. It's not. It's not going away. Um, there's a big push for natural gas right now too. I mean, that's going to be depending on how the administration goes, the the transition energy, um, which I think is a great idea. We tried doing that in 08 you know, before that downturn. Um, uh, so, but I think it's got some teeth this time. And, and so there's a lot of focus on the gas rich areas like East Texas and Louisiana, the Haynesville, um, Cotton Valley and, the, and those areas. So um, uh, kind of circling back to your question, uh, there's a lot of opportunity even in those downturns. So we, we basically just aligned ourselves with those groups that were, uh, that were taking advantage of those depressed prices and things like that. The mineral buyers, <laughs> fall out of the woodworks when, when prices are low. I mean, we get calls constantly from mineral buyers looking to, to identify minerals, pick them up. We'll go buy them for them, flip them. Buy them on the cheap. It, exactly. so, so what exactly does your company do? Let's. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. Um, for everybody in the business, uh, we're, we're a land brokerage. We essentially, uh, uh, acqu- essentially we acquire for our clients, operators, oil and gas operators, the right to drill land legally. It's kind of like a really general term there, but um from start to finish, we identify an area or, or our client or operator identifies an area that they want to go develop oil and gas. And so we will um, uh, research the mineral owners, the surface owners, uh, contact those owners, uh, negotiate oil and gas leases, um, uh, figure out unit declarations, regulatory issues that, that come with that, um, negotiate pipeline, surface use agreements, right of ways, um, a lot of title research is done with that. So you have a lot of guys that are in the courthouse you know, researching the history of the tracts of land on who owns the mineral. So mineral estate and surface estate are two separate things, right? So just because you own your house on the top doesn't mean you own the minerals underneath, right? It's a big mm-hmm. deal in America. I think America is one of the, it's like one of three countries in the world where private property ownership is, is paramount. You know, it's, it's kind of right there at the top. Um, every other country in the world, the, the minerals are sovereign. So if you live in the UK and they want to drill a well in your backyard, they can just go do it and you really have no recourse for it. So in America, you have property rights, you know, independent rights, which is, which is fantastic. Um, there's only other, there's only a couple other countries in the world, I believe that, that you have those rights. So, um, so with that, we have to approach the mineral owners and negotiate an oil and gas lease, which gives our client, typically a, an operator, the right to drill that land and develop it and then pay you as the mineral owner the royalties that uh, come from the 
oil or gas produced. So in a nutshell, there's a whole lot more that kind of goes into that, but that that's in a nutshell, that's what we do. So Well, it's funny. You touched on something that in today's current political environment, you know, being a United States Marine Corps veteran, it hurts my heart to see how many people are disgruntled with this country mm-hmm. because we've gotten so spoiled. You know, they don't realize how good they have it. I 100% agree with you. Yeah. yeah. And something as simple as property rights, right? Yeah. Everybody's talking about what rights they do or don't have or whatever. And it's like, look, you can go to just about any other country on this planet mm-hmm. and the amount of rights you're going to have are going to be significantly less mm-hmm. than the rights you have here. So why are we crying? Right? Yeah. 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 No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think I think we're all a little spoiled. I mean, you and I, admittedly, we are, right? We, yeah. we take it for granted that we can walk down the street and not have to worry too much about anything happening to us, you know, depending on your political affiliation or sexual orientation, man, female, you know, that kind of thing. You really don't have to worry about a whole lot of that. Um, the um, uh, property rights here, yeah, are huge. Um, um, I was going somewhere with that. You had mentioned, yeah. you specifically mentioned. Um, yeah, just being able to, to to live in a country where you have those rights. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that if you went somewhere else, just even a simple freedom of speech right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Or yeah. Any, any, any number. I got my mind back on yeah, track yeah, now. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah. the, uh, a good example, you know, we'll, we'll contact some people to, to pay them money, you know, say, Hey, we're going to pay you a consideration, you know, bonus consideration to execute an oil and gas lease. They're going to pay you money if oil comes out of the ground or gas comes out of the ground. I mean, you really don't have to do anything other than just sign this thing. Um, you would be surprised how hard it is to give somebody a bag of money sometimes. And how, <laughs> I mean, it blows your mind. It's, Tell it's me, like, let's, let's unpackage that. Tell so, me about that. Uh, it, you yeah. know, you'll, it's like you won, you've won the lottery, you know, in most, like I'm, I'm waiting for the day that a landman calls me and says, Hey, you own X amount of net acres in some far flung, you know, North Dakota, whatever that, and we're going to pay you a giant lump sum of money. All you got to do is sign this and we're going to develop, we're going to do, we're going to do everything for you. We'll have all the legal burden, the financial burden. We're going to, bring a rig in there. We're going to uh, have all these roughnecks, you know, do this stuff. We're going to connect all the pipeline for you. We're going to do everything for you. And all you got to do is cast a check, you know, every, every month, you would be surprised how hard it is to, uh, to uh, get people off high center with that. And that's always my analogy, right? Yeah. It's like, if you walked up, you know, on a sidewalk and there's a bag of money sitting there, are you going to keep it? Or what are you you're just going to walk over? What are you going to do? It's like, no, you're going to keep it, you know, or if you won the lottery, are you just not going to cash the check? Like that's essentially what's happening here. And so, you know, you, you obviously take a very, tactful and nuanced approach when you're having those conversations with, with, with landowners and mineral owners. But, uh, the, uh, yeah, it's, it's just amazing sometimes that, and a lot of times it, because it's their ownership of those minerals, a lot of times has nothing to do with what they did individually in their life. Like the decisions and choices they made, you know, they, sometimes they bought the minerals, right. Sometimes they inherited that kind of thing. But a lot of times the reason they own the minerals is because their granddad or great granddad or whoever was smart enough to own these minerals or buy them or purchase them or whatever. And so they didn't have to do anything. And I'm like, well, you should be so lucky that yeah. your granddad or whoever was smart enough to do this. And all you have to do is, you know, say yes. Sir. Now, yeah. oil, and ga- oil and gas leases can be kind of complicated and there's several things you have to work into these things, provisions. And I totally get that. You want to protect yourself, you know, from being taken advantage of, uh, not that, many standard oil and gas leases take advantage really of anybody. They just, they're, you know, designed or I guess optimized to, um, to get the most product out of the ground, the easiest way possible and to pay you and to move on to, which by the way, let's not skip over. Here's a benefit that they're going to receive that 
not only do they not have the capability, resources, or money to go do themselves. Exactly. So it's just sitting there. So if you don't take advantage of it, it's not like you're going to go do it yourself. So right. here's right. somebody that's going to come take all the burden where all you got to do is somebody to hand you a check. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. That, that's so, exactly right. I mean, yeah. and we've, we've had those conversations. People was like, oh, well, you know, I can hire a drilling company to do this. Like, yeah, you can, but <laughs> if it, do you want it, you know, it's not easy to do that. And anyway, so uh, absolutely. Yeah. And so that, that's a little frustrating. I mean, that's, it's rare. We come across stuff like that, but yeah, sometimes you just want to like shake these people. Like you, are we you, are yeah. handing you a, a boatload of cash and um, uh, anyway. So. And what other country, like you said, can you live in that based on the property that you own, someone's mm-hmm. going to show up with a bag of money mm-hmm. and it's still your property. Yeah. It's different from like, cultivating land or right? running cattle or, you know, you know, growing cotton or corn or whatever. We're like, you got to put a lot of legwork into it. It's like, you literally don't have to do anything other yeah. than just let these come. It's different when you own the surface also, because they have rigs out there and they got people out there and I get that. And especially if you yeah. are running cattle and if you are cultivating the land, um, if the lands, you you know, uh, hunting leases, things like that, you don't want it to interrupt the the activities that you have going there. And, and all that is all that factors into the, the, the negotiations and everything. So that's sure. actually kind of a small part of, of what we do. There's, there's so many other things on top of that. There's, there's massive mapping projects we have to do to, to kind of map all this stuff out. There's regulatory issues with the road commission that we have to uh, uh, take into account before we put these things in place and build them. Um, uh, division orders, you know, who gets paid, what separating out royalties and things like that. So um, uh, that's really just kind of like a small piece, the, 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 the purchasing of the oil and gas leases, but it's, I guess it's the most in the spotlight, you know, so it's, right. it's what gets the most attention. So well, I think that's with any business, right, is, you know, especially now, like when I first started in a real estate business, mm-hmm. like I was I was chasing down anybody I could get a hold of to try to do business with. And now having just a great amount of success is people only see a part of it. Right. They only see the end result. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like. There's, there's no, there's no secret. I do a lot of real estate, not just in the investment part of it, of what I own myself or in partnerships with other stuff, but in selling and buying and also connecting people to agents all over the planet to make sure that they get the right representation. And so, you know, when you can look back at a trailing 12 months and be like, oh, wow, I've closed almost $50 million worth of deals, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Which if anybody gets to do the math on that, they can realize 3% times, you know, 40, 50 million pretty, pretty successful. Mm-hmm. And they go, wow, man, you make that easy. Will you tell me everything you do? And I'm like, well, let me explain the last four years. I have yeah. spent over 20,000 hours, personal hours. This doesn't include like anybody else on my team, my own hours, mm-hmm. building the processes and everything else in my business to be very good at what I do. I've also reinvested over a million dollars of commissions that I've made over the last four years back into the business. Mm-hmm. And then you have people show up and go, well, you give me all that for free. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I, um, no, yeah. unless you want to reimburse me the 20,000 hours, which you can't reimburse time sure. or the, the over a million dollars that I've spent to make this very effective, to deliver the value that the clients want. But it's only one part. They don't see me getting up at four o'clock in the morning. And as I say on many of these, these shows, people go, well, you like getting up at four o'clock in the morning because you were in the Marines. I'm like, no, if there's anybody who hates getting up at four yeah. o'clock in the morning, it's me. As a business owner, I'm willing to do whatever needs to be done. But because I've done it so effectively, when COVID hit March mm-hmm. and, um, and just by owning several different businesses, the restaurant, other investments and so forth. But with the real estate team, the team naturally was concerned, like, what do we do? 
the pandemic's here. All cells have shut down. What do we do? Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, because I've been smart in business, even if we didn't sell another house in 2020, I could still pay you throughout the rest of the year. Yeah. And that was a good feeling that I had to be able to reassure the people that were working for me. But again, it goes back into reinvesting into the business, having those retained earnings, being able to deploy that business acumen. I've gotten through either experience, my undergrad, my MBA from TCU, whatever, to be able sure. to go, I'm in a safe place to be able to go do this. Now, the reason I, I, I say this is I want to go back to something you said is, yeah. is in 2014, you had a bit of a different experience when you had to look at over 100 people and say, Things just crashed. Yeah, yeah. Like, what was that? What was that <laughs> feeling like to Man. look at people that you cared about yeah. and go, "I gotta let you go." What Sorry. Yeah. 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 That was a. Uh, I'm actually glad you, you said that. That was that was probably the most uh, trying, difficult time in, in my career. And and my partner Jeff was doing the same thing in East Texas on in on, on his project over there. Same exact thing. You know, he had about 75 guys out of about 80. You know, the, so that was kind of split. So same conversation was happening, separate places. And, you know, we're calling each other in between, you know, these, these, you know, Hey, everyone come in big room. Everyone knows kind of what's going on. Right. I mean, yeah. the oil just tanked and, and, uh, you know, we we're working for a great client at the time, uh, a fantastic client, you know, they're, uh, they pay well, they pay on time, hard workers, you know, hardworking guys though, um, drill fantastic wells, but they're slave drivers, right? They, they expect that you, you ride for the brand when you work for them and you really don't, they don't want you working for anybody else while you're doing that either, mm-hmm. which is a, which is an interesting thing in this business, which has changed. And I can kind of get to that, get to that later. But, um, uh, so to, to see, you know, to see them hurting, you, you know, and scaling back like, ah, oh, you know, crap, shit, here yeah, we go. You know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, calling in, I think 30, 30 guys on one, one swoop and then an additional 20 or something on, on the, on the second one. And just having to look at all these guys in the face, it's like, it's nothing you did. You guys are fantastic. We run a a well-oiled machine here and it it worked really, really well. And, um, very successful, uh, development program. Uh, uh, and just like, sorry, uh, we have nothing else for you. And like I said, a lot of them expected it. And most everybody, I'd say probably 95% of them totally get it. You know, we're totally appreciative of it. Like, Hey, it's not you. We totally get that. You know, we'll close out what we're doing, move on. Um, a lot of those guys are still in the business, you know, and we've uh, so we've actually circled back to several of these guys that we've made some really great relationships with um, uh, and brought them back on. So it's actually worked really, really well. Um, but, yeah, that was uh, that was really tough and having to tell them that and I remember distinctly. And I, you know, I don't know who I don't know how many people have told this story, but uh, my admin, her name is Nikki. She was awesome. She just like kept me straight through, through all that, uh, uh, through that big project there. Cause it's hard to run that many guys. I mean, you've got 75, 80 guys running. I mean, dude, you're just like herding cats, babysitting adults. You've heard all the phrases, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, you know how it is. And you're and just like with anything else, you know, you're dealing with these different personalities and some guys are really good at some things and other guys are really good at other things. And you could put a lot of pressure on some and they react really well to it, you know? Um, uh, you know, you tell them the sky is falling and they, they, they get their ass in gear, you know, mm-hmm. then you got other people who kind of have to cut a little bit and that's fine. You just have to, uh, you just have to kind of know what makes them tick and to keep them running because you don't want to interrupt their productivity and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, um, so Nikki was a huge, huge part of that. And, uh, I remember after that first, first, you know, let go of 30 something guys, I was like, Hey, we, you know, I told Nikki, I was like, Hey, we come to my office real quick. And I know this This is the afternoon. I was like, I literally took a shot of Jameson just to like calm my nerves. Like, and she's, I was like, we just like sit here with me and just like keep me. Cause I've never had to do it before. I've never yeah. had to fire 30 something people or 70 something people. Now I've had to let go of people that deserve it. 
Right. You know, that's an easier, that's an easier, you know, hey, see you later. Go, right? Yeah, sorry. But when it's not their fault. Yeah. 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 It's so much easier when, when you know, they deserve it. Like, yeah. get at it. Thanks. You know, thanks, but whatever. Um, so that was tough, man. And, uh, and um, so that was tough. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. sucked. I don't know how else to say it. Well, the one thing I could say about 2014, and even though my industry is a little bit different is that was the experience I, when I saw how many of my friends that own companies that had to have those uncomfortable conversations that I was like, um, fast forward to whenever I was building the span group out as I was like, man, I'm going to build this thing out that the people that I take on is watching that. I want to, I want to try to do everything I can to, to alleviate ever having to be in that position because yeah. I can't tell you how many conversations with friends like you that I had that just hearing just the hurt in your voice of having to have those conversations just was, oh, 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 like I, I never wanted to experience that. I've never yeah. had to experience that. I'm mm-hmm. very fortunate I've never had to experience that. And and it was because I saw the pain out of you guys that I was like, I'm going to try to do everything I can to make sure I'm not in that position. And I'm not saying I might not ever be in that position, sure. but I, I saw the pain from you guys. And I was like, I know that I never want to be in those shoes. Sure. And, and, and it's so... I took that to get to to where where we are now. Kind of position yourself yeah. in a way that yeah, absolutely. And yeah. so let's let's wind back yeah. the clock a little bit further before that. Okay. Yeah. So when did you know you wanted to be a business owner and, and do it your own? <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> uh, uh, real quick, touching on that though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A- after after surviving um, the the OA downturn, the fourteen, and then now this most we're we're still surviving. Not saying right. we will, right? I mean, it, it, we're still here. You know, knock on wood. Um, uh, we definitely learned a lot from that and we can, we can circle that later, like yeah. how to kind of run a little leaner, a little meaner and, and not ramp up and scale up where we need only use the things we need, you know, um, don't get too frivolous with spending, you know, yeah. uh, like you said, re- reinvest some money into to kind of make things easier on the next go around that kind of thing. Anyway, uh, when did I learn that I wanted to be a business owner? I yeah. never thought in a million years I'd ever be a business owner. <laughs> I, uh, uh, you know, Went to college, barely got out, Texas A&M, whoop, um, uh, barely got out of there. And um, I was a surveyor right out of college uh, for a, uh, an infrastructure company in Dallas. They built all the dart rails, most of the dart rails out there. So that was really fun, man. I loved being outside and and it was a, it's kind of half and half. So we'd spend half the time out in the field uh, surveying, you know, uh, uh, track boundaries, angles, descriptions, all that kind of stuff. And that's actually where I learned like land, like how to deplot and all that fun stuff and understood like conveyances and things. And, um, so that's where I learned that. And then half the time was in the office, which I hated, absolutely hated it. Um, and so really, man, it was, uh, I started hearing some buddies saying, Oh man, I'm gonna go be a land man in Fort worth, you know, out. And I was like, what the hell is a land man? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and they're like, Oh, you just, you know, figure out minerals and you talk to landowners and you spend some time in the courthouse and, and that's it. I'm like, Oh, okay. That sounds easy. So, um, and Aggie hired me actually, uh, Chris Kastner first got to hire me in the business. Um, we're still good friends to this day. Um, um, so hired on with his brokerage and, um, he was only a couple of years older than us. So that was, was kind of a younger guy. He was an Aggie, that whole, you know, the old Aggie cult, you know, how we're all, you oh, know, yeah. we're drinking the Kool-Aid, right? I mean, right. we all are. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so, uh, the day after I started, uh, Judd, my now business partner started. And so we kind of hit it off, you know, he's an Aggie too. So we kind of hit it off and uh, just became Buzz. Y'all really do flock together, don't y'all? Uh, yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's incestuous, man. It's uh, it's kind of ridiculous. Blake's a good example. Um, so uh, so we hit it off, and uh, and um, the OA downturn hit, and so again, Kastner's group 
had to scale back quite a bit. We, we survived, thankfully. And um, as things started scaling up, Judd and I, my partner and I kind of became um, their right-hand guys, right? Like we were like the project managers, you know, I was running a leasing team and Judd was running title teams. And uh, uh, gosh, I mean, they got up to about a hundred guys. And so several beers. So one night, you know, several beers in and we're talking to some other guys that had worked with the operator that we would work for. Um, you know, Judd and I kind of hatched a plan like, Hey, we can do this. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, this is easy, right? Anybody can do this. We can just do it ourselves. Like we just got to find, you know, we just have to find a client start a business and do all these things. So at the end of 09, uh, we started for as a still running under Chris's company. Uh, but he was really supportive of us. And I, I, to this day, I still appreciate how supportive of us he was with that. And, uh, so essentially, um, it was kind of like a, a, a mix of like preparation and luck. It's like when those two things meet, right? Mm-hmm. And so we got a call. Um, so we had the company ready. We're, we're essentially ready to go and kind of branch off on our own. So we got a call from East Texas working with a big operator out there and said, hey, you guys come out and interview. And, you know, they'll, they'll, they're ramping up, probably bring you on. It's like, all right, let's go. Let's see what happens, right? Um, it was a lot of, it's not like a, it wasn't like a very calculated, it wasn't just like, you know, we're targeting all these things because we had our full-time jobs we were doing, right? It wasn't, you know, we, we had ideas to do things, but, you know, by recollection, right? I don't recall it being um, uh, super active. Like these are the parties we need to reach out to because uh, it happened pretty quick once we started the company. And so they, they called us, we went and interviewed, which is a really interesting interview in, in hindsight. <laughs> um, but uh, they hired us. And they're like, well, we need, you know, we need 10, gra- 10 guys on the ground in like two weeks. Like, are, are you good? You know, can you do that? Like, oh, absolutely. No problem. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm offended that you asked, you know. <laughs> and you're like, hey, Joe, we need dude, to find so, 10 dudes. <laughs> so, so we, so Judd and I get in the truck. We head back to Fort Worth and we're just looking at each other like, who in the hell are we going to hire? Like, who, you know, who do we know? Like, what's going on? And so I had a couple of buddies from college, uh, really smart guys that, that were landmen down in South Texas. Like, oh, let's call them. We'll put an ad out basically on this, on this, um, on this website. And we got like three, I think, I think in a couple of days we got 300 resumes or something pouring in. Um, so we had to vet through all that, which was never fun. Hiring and firing is really awful. I'm not going to lie. Like firing obviously is terrible, but like just the process of hiring is such a, such a pain in the ass, frankly. I mean, you know, cause you're vetting all these people and have, you know, three quarters of them are terrible when they come in, but you have to give them the time of day. And anyway, um, so we we kind of cobbled a you know motley crew together out there in East Texas. So keep in mind, um, title work and land work in different parts of the state and different parts of the country are very different, right? Each each of them have its own kind of unique uh, challenges and and different beasts, you know, so to speak. You know, a landman in South Texas, East Texas, North Texas, and West Texas are, are it can be very very different. It's just a different type of title, anyway. Uh, I would argue that North Texas title, Barnett title, is pretty easy, right? You don't see a lot of mineral reservations. You don't see a lot of stuff transacting, at least not until 08, 09, 10, and now now what it is, right? You see a lot of it now, but prior to that, you really didn't. So it was fairly easy uh, to figure out who owned the minerals and to contact them, that kind of thing. East Texas <laughs> is just god-awful, man. It's the oldest part of the state, right? Spindletop's first part of the state that oil, well, the country essentially that, that it started, right? I mean, Spindletop is still producing, you know, to this day. Um, I read a factoid that Spindletop produced more in the first day than I think the four active wells in the Northeast and Pennsylvania or something were at the time than they've ever made in their entire life. This is like early 1900s, right? Yeah. So crazy. Anyway, oldest part of the state. Um, just, a, just a lot of old 
stuff going on. So you have to go back really far and it gets real convoluted anyway. So we're diving in like head first into the stuff. And Judd had experience in East Texas, thankfully. So he, you know, he, he knew his way around, but then there's also different formations and stuff that we were focusing on. There are three different formations. So we had never had to deal with that. You know, we never had to deal with multiple zones. I mean, so again, talk about trial by fire. I mean, just diving in head first and, you know, we assemble our crew and we're trying to figure things out. And there was that first week or two, you know, we're, you know, it's just he and I going to lunch together. And I just like, man, I don't know. Could, you think Chris would hire us back if we, uh, you know, <laughs> um, it wasn't that bad. It, it wasn't that bad, but there were a couple of times we were just like, what, you know? And so, uh, it just all kind of started coming together and, and we surround ourselves with some really smart people and, um, um, you know, people that, that know a little bit more about us and specific things and just kind of marrying all that together. And I mean, you know, we could talk for hours about everything between now and, or then and now, uh, mm-hmm. and all that. But, um, um, yeah, I think I think it was initially it was the it was the people that we chose and surrounded ourselves with. You'd have you'd have really hardworking guys that didn't really have a lot of experience, and that's perfect. That's great. Then you'd have some really experienced guys, you know, that'd been around a lot, but they kind of like to work autonomously. Fine, you yeah. know, just help us out, help us piece all this together, and um, and um, yeah. So what we've noticed, kind of rambling on here, but what we've noticed is like, you know, your guys kind of like we're talking about, you have to approach them in certain ways. You know, some guys you can be a little bit harder on, some guys got to be a little easier on to kind of get to maximize their productivity and to keep them going. Um, what we figured out is that some guys are really good at some things and they're awful at other things, right? Uh, you have some guys that are fantastic title researchers, but you would never have them call a landowner or a mineral owner or a client or an operator because they would, you know, you would just think they're... They could piss off the devil. Exactly, yeah. yeah. yeah but yeah. then you'd have other guys that can car salesmen, right? They can sell anybody on anything, yeah. but you would not want them ever like looking at a piece of title. Like you just say, here's where I need to They don't to even go. know what an I is, the dot, no, right? No, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. And, and, and bless their hearts because they're so good at it. You know, yeah. they're, they're, they're so damn good at it. And uh, uh, just, you know, putting those people in the positions that just make them the most productive. Like we need you here. We need you here. Don't worry about anything else. Like these are the things you focus on. That's not to say we don't have Renaissance men, right? We do have the guys that are good at everything. And yeah. those, those guys, you can't pay them enough. To, to stay around to, to keep everything afloat because you know when you figure out that they're they're actually a lot better at the craft than you are you know uh uh you're like okay like you need to stay you could basically have whatever you want um just you know help us run this thing and we'll take care of you as best we can you know um so yeah kind of rambling on there but yeah yeah so let's go back to so 2009 y'all start forza right yes sir <clears throat> naturally 2014 happens mm-hmm. When in between those two dates before oil tank, did you look at Judd and go, dude, we're, we're rocking it. Like we've, we've made it. What year would you say uh, that was? I don't, I don't know if there was ever a, uh, we've made it type thing. In the or, only- we're, man, we're going to be just fine. Um, I, I think, I think there was a, yeah, we felt comfortable, I guess, because with the, yeah. with the operator and the client we were working for and the, group we were working with was a really, really good group. Uh, um, uh, this, this client could do no wrong. I mean, these guys were, I mean, they're still, they're still rocking and rolling like better than anybody else out there. I mean, they're, they're fantastic. Um, we definitely hitched our wagons to the right group right out the get go, right. Versus some mom and pop shop or some, you know, Chesapeake or somebody that failed, you know? Um, so we were very fortunate to be hooked up with them. Now I will say, um, we kind of had blinders on though during that, during that phase because a, we were so busy with, with everything going on. I mean, we're just like rocking and rolling as best we can, trying to keep everything afloat and keep everybody happy and, you know, keep, keep in front of the rigs as best we could. Um, uh, s- but with that, we didn't really pick our heads up too much. Um, um, that there was a wider 
world of oil and gas out there, not just this one client, because they're they're again they're fantastic. It's like, why mm-hmm. would you need to go anywhere else, right? Yeah, you've got the the prom queen, right? Why do you need yeah. to go anywhere else? And so, and that's kind of how they ran it too. They didn't really want us lifting our heads up too much and exploring other options and other people to work for. And you know, like we all know, you can't just have one client, right? You can't mm-hmm. put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. It's got, you got to have several, and that's you know, if that hurts their feelings or offends anybody, sorry, but you can't, you know, you can't guarantee me work forever and you can't guarantee that I'm gonna keep the lights on and all my guys busy forever. They just can't, you know, that's, and that's the industry that's oil and gas and, uh, you know, you can't guarantee anything. But, um, so I will say, uh, we kind of had blinders on then because a, we were so busy B they kind of kept it that way. And, and yeah, um, it wasn't until a couple of projects kicked off where I went, um, I went and ran a project down in college station. It was actually on Madison County. So, you know, there I am in 12, I think is when we started it. So I'm back at my alma mater. I'm back in College Station. I'm like kid in a candy store, you know, but um, I've got a lot more responsibility because I'm kind of on my own running this group versus when Judd and I were together running things, you know. So he's got his whole huge project he's running. I've got my project I'm running, um, but I'm also back in College Station. So I'm just like, you know, gig him, going crazy. And we had the Aggies had just joined the SEC. You know, we had Johnny Football, that whole hype and mania and all that fun stuff. So, um, uh that was a great time, man. Uh, you know, they're rock and rolling, had a great crew. Um, um, you know, cost of living is super cheap there and, and everything else. And I was closer to Austin where my parents live. It was easier to get to Houston, easier to get to Dallas, all that fun stuff. So there I was able to kind of pick up my head a little bit and see that there was a wide world of other oil and gas opportunities outside of just this one client we were working for. Um, and a lot of that had to do with like spending some time in Houston because a lot of, a lot of big oil and gas hub, right? And so I was spending a lot of time down there, um, uh, weekends and things like that and, and different industry events. Um, and, you know, so I kind of got the idea. I was like, man, we need to, we need to expand out a little bit. You know, we, we've been working for these guys for so long. We really need to look at some other, other people. And, and, and so that was good. And actually started um, with Blake Harris, uh, started a YPE chapters, young professionals in energy, uh, there in college station. Um, I'm no longer a part of that because I'm not no longer young and, and, I'm, <laughs> I, and, I'm, and I'm barely a professional. So I don't really know why they let me do that. But Blake was huge in helping me do that and uh, and uh, started that there and just and started to get introduced to more people, um, not just in my discipline either, uh, not just landmen. What I really liked was being able to surround ourselves with engineers and geologists and attorneys and finance guys and things like that, because um, I think one of the most important things about being a landman is you kind of have to know a little about a lot. Uh, when you're talking to people out there, you know, out in the out in the big wide world um, so that you can speak to all of those things. You know, sure, you can talk about the land and the title and all that stuff, but you need to you need to be able to convey how an oil and gas rig works. How long is it going to be there? What about fracking? You know, what about directional drilling? You know, how you know, is it going to talk? You know, is it going to is everybody going to die when we drink the water later? Like, no, none of that's going to happen. So you have to know a little bit. So I loved being surrounded by and so we did some joint uh, we did some joint. Um, events with the AADs, the um, the drilling engineers, the SPEs, which is the Society of Petroleum Engineers, with A and M. So we had like students there, and then we had like, prof- like younger professionals working, and kind of married all that together. And that was huge for me to 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 listen to some of these like young engineers, kind of broad eyed, bushy tailed, you know, explain to me how geology works and drilling rigs work because I didn't know anything about that. You know, I'm like, explain yeah. to me how all this works because it's it's um it's a you know it's it's a science. It's a little bit different than the land side. So. Um, so again, so that's where I kind of started seeing the big wide world that, that, Hey, there's a lot of other things out here. So, um, so yeah, I'll let you jump in. I'm just kind of, yeah, no, yeah. no, 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 that's great. So, so you're, you're, you're going, you're blowing and going 2014 happens. Yeah. Then when do you start to see it after 2014 tick up again? Um, 
so, you know, downturn hit, we closed that office at College Station. Um, we reconsolidated everything in East Texas and, uh, uh, we were our East Texas office. We were working out of a, literally a storage unit, like a warehouse, like this, this little storage unit in Bullard, I think is, I think is the address. And, uh, I mean, literally you open the garage and we had built out a little, you know, a couple of little workstations for the guys. And, uh, and that's what, and then I was, I was kind of like, uh, uh, what's the word? Squatting, I guess, squatting at a buddy <laughs> at a buddy's office here in Fort Worth, um, and a attorney's buddy. I was paying him, you know, a few hundred bucks or whatever, just to like occupy a corner of an office kind of thing, and uh, to kind of keep everything going. And um, um, so uh, got back here, and I guess your your question was, when did when did you start to see the uptick mm-hmm. um, after fourteen or fourteen fifteen? Um, man, it it was a it was a a couple of months into the next year. And kind of like what I was saying was I had kind of built a little bit of a network out there, guys in Houston, guys in Dallas, guys in Fort Worth, and I'm starting to get plugged in in Fort Worth. And uh, Fort Worth is such a great town that's very open and, and, and you know, nobody's really a stranger here, right? Mm-hmm. Like they'll, they'll talk to you, they'll listen to you. That's not, it's a good old boy system to, to, a, to an extent, not as bad as like Midland or East Texas or some of these other areas. Like, if, you know, Midland's like, if you're not from there, if you're not fourth generation oil and gas, if you didn't go to Texas Tech, you know, if you didn't go to Permian High, you know, yeah. it, it's it's if you don't live there, you know, it's it's a hard it's a hard bubble to break into. Um, and it just is. And I get it. That's fine. You know, that that's just is what it is. Forward is different, though, that people will talk to you. People will listen to you um, and, and see what you're about and see what, uh, you know, see what you're doing and what you want to do and connect you. that. The biggest thing was how eager people were to connect, like, you know here's what I do. Here's what we're doing. We've worked for these guys in the past. Like, Oh, you got to meet so-and-so like he'll be able to connect you with so-and-so. Oh, you got to talk to so-and-so they're a great guy. I mean, they they know everybody kind of thing. Um, and so like that warm welcome was huge, you know, when I got back here. And so really, man, it was, uh, it was that it was, it was getting plugged in and kind of getting networked out to some people and, and, and kind of leveraging those relationships. Like, Hey, I'm here. Like we're back. Like we're ready to rock and roll. Like what, you know, what can we do for you? Um, Without being overly aggressive, obviously, you know, that, that there's a little tact there. You don't just right. you don't just kick down the door and say, hey, hire me, you know, kind of thing. But, hey, we're around. This is what we do. This is, what we, this is who we've worked for in the past. I mean, you know what I do. And there's a hundred other guys like me out there. But, you know, I think I do it a little better than everybody else. Of course, everybody's going to say that, um, you know, but I, uh, yeah. So uh, it was it was early to mid 15 that, that things started kicking up. And that was when it wasn't one big client with like 100 guys running. It was several clients with little projects here and there. And that's kind of how it is now. You know, those, those big large scale projects really aren't around right now. So it's a lot of little, a lot of little guys, a little projects that we work on for various clients and things, all different scales from big dogs, to small, uh, uh, family offices, um, law firms are, are great. Cause a lot of due diligence going on with all the buying and selling going on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you get in there and bet everything and just make sure that everything they're buying is actually what they're buying kind of thing. And so there's a, there's a ton of that going on. And so we, we've, tried to uh do as much as that much of that as we can uh just just keep guys busy man so yeah 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 so So, what year out of all the years would you say was the best year for your company uh 18 18 so well well, hang on 19 19 so because we're 2021 right so 2020 was terrible so 19 19 19 was was great it really was man so tell me about 19 it was just kind of all those things coming together you know oil's riding high gas is riding high everything's good um like I said, we were primarily focused East Texas, Louisiana, so gas heavy. Um, uh, but man, just just 
random phone calls like, hey, I need you to do this. Or, hey, I got your name from so-and-so. Can you do this? Hey, I need you to look into this. Um, uh, it, it's it's like all those relationships kind of kind of all came together and they had heard of us you know, from somebody that knew somebody that said somebody or what have you. We also got into renewables. We also got into land acquisition for wind farms and solar farms um, up in the Midwest. So we had worked on, we just finished a project up there. It was about four years long. I mean, it was a, it, it was a big one. It was just a couple of guys working. Wasn't, it was a large scale, but the manpower was pretty small. Um, um, so that was really cool to get into something a little bit different than just oil and gas. Right. Uh, and the way things are going there, you know, uh, renewable energy is going to be a, 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 a bigger piece of the pie moving forward. Right. Oil and gas isn't going away. Like we've talked about, um, nuclear energy is obviously still there, but, uh, so it was really good to get, to get involved in that. And we've done a lot of solar projects in Texas as a result of that, just having that experience in the Midwest. So interestingly enough, the way we, the way we landed the, the the Midwest job was a guy that worked for us down in College Station has become a good friend of mine. And we've kind of kept up over the years. And he had done renewable. He'd been a renewable developer prior to that. And he went and hooked up with this company, a big Spanish company operates in North Tech in North America. And, uh, you know, we keep up pretty well, probably talk about once a week. And he just called me and said, man, I've got this broker here and they suck. I don't know what, how else <laughs> to say it. They're terrible. And we, we got to replace them ASAP. He's like, you're gonna have to bid on it because it's a, a it's a, it's a Spanish company. So you have to bid mm-hmm. on these things. And, um, he's like, but you know, it, uh, you, you should have a shoe and we, we should, we should make this work. Cause, cause I've worked directly for you. I know exactly how you guys operate. You know, you guys rock. He's like, just please come help me. <laughs> yeah. and, and that was it. And, and a lot of that had to do again with like maintaining that relationship with some of these guys that we've, we've tried to treat as well as we could over the years and keep them happy and, and keep food on their table. And, and again, talk about a phone call out of nowhere. Um, I had, we had a phone call from an operator in East Texas, Recommended by a law firm here in town, Harris Finley Bogle. Shout out to my my boys over there. They're awesome. Um, called me out of blue, said, Hey, I got your name from HFB. Said you guys do good work. Like, can you, you know, you guys ever worked Louisiana before? Like, yeah, yeah, we had. Not yeah. not near to the not near to the to the scale that, that we do now. And uh, you know, you, you know, you don't you don't ever want to say no to, right. to a client if, if if you can't, but if you don't have to. And uh so uh out of the blue, called us up, went to Shreveport, talked to him, had a great lunch, and we've been working for him ever since. And so it's just, it's again all because I met these guys and hit it off with them, and and we do work for them too. And um, um, so I think that was kind of the tipping point. Um, so so nineteen was probably probably saw all that to its like max that that really Fours has ever had. So uh, then you had COVID, and yeah. all those things kind of went away. So so before we jump into COVID, yeah. What would you say your biggest challenge was when the getting was good in 2019 that you were losing sleep over? Oh, yeah. Uh, keeping guys busy, making sure everybody had something to do and just keeping like uh, just keeping clients happy. So when you have, you know, clients are kind of kind of funny, you know, it's 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 you just they want to know that you're focused 100 percent on their project. And I totally get that. Right. I mean, there's like I said, there's 100 other guys like me out there they could be using. Um and so we just got to keep up with that and just make sure, hey, these guys are going to take care of, update them constantly, pick up the phone when they call. If you missed the call, call them right back. Uh, uh, the biggest challenge was probably, yeah, just just balancing between all the different groups that we were working for and just reassuring them that like, hey, we have this crew totally committed to, to your guys. We have this crew totally committed to your project. Um, appointing kind of leads, project managers, you know, project leads uh, to be the point of contact, kind of alleviate Judd and I's, um, involvement with every little thing. Now we're copied on everything, right? Every little email, every, you know, hundreds and hundreds of emails a day. Um, cause you have to be right. If you, yeah. if you, you'll see something go and you're like, Oh, I got to get in front of that because you know, you just don't want it to go down a path that 
because you've seen it before, right? You've seen, all right, you know, my guy said this, but I know the client's questions are going to be X, Y, and Z, right? So you're like, all right, I can get in front of that. Um, and so you just have to constantly, I mean, you're just constantly on your phone, you know, weeknights, weekends. Uh, uh, and again, not that any, there's no fires burning necessarily. It's just keeping up and making sure everything is like spinning the right way that it's, that it's supposed to be going. Um, See, that was, that was probably the biggest challenge. That, that's a good point that you bring up is like weekends and nights and everything else is, I don't think that a lot of people that are not business owners understand the level of you're never off. Never. Right. I mean, you, you know. don't, you don't work. Uh, one of my landmen said, we don't work normal hours, but we work all hours. That's a good way to put yeah. it. Right. I mean, yeah. you're, we're typically not eight to five. I mean, we'll, you know, if we need to go, we need to run to the courthouse. We need to go visit a landowner. Yeah. You're going to be out for a couple hours or whatever. Right. But we're always available. Always answer your phone. Always respond to emails. Saturdays, Sundays, weekends. Uh, that's the same thing, but uh, nights, all that stuff. Um, um, yeah. Just being available is, is huge. Um, couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more on that. Um, that that's, that's what keeps you up is, is, is just constantly having to stay on that and just glued to your phone. And, you know, I'm sure your wife, you know, my wife loves it. Just loves the fact that I'm just like constantly on my phone and, I, and I'm better about yeah. it now. Right. I'm better, I'm better about, okay, you know, put it down six o'clock, you know, it'll, it can wait till the morning later in the evening. I'll put it up. I can respond to a couple get up early, handle it, you know, before the kind of the day starts or whatever. Um, uh, yeah. It's always on your mind. Right. I mean, when you're, when you're, when you've got all these guys that rely on you, they rely on my partner and I to, to, to keep things going. I mean, that's what keeps you up. It's really, you said it earlier, I think before we started the, the podcast, um, you know, you are really kind of the last thing you're thinking about. Like you just want to make sure <laughs> that poor Eddie over here, Justin, or, you know, uh, uh, Jessica, whoever they, they all have something to do to, to keep food on the table, especially right now. Um, we had a, uh, we had a guy, I won't say his name because we work for him, <laughs> work for him now. He, he worked, he, he worked, he was one of our, he was our first hire with Forza. And, uh, and then, um, he went on to do bigger and better things and we work for him now. Great relationship, right? One of our yeah. closest friends and, and personally and professionally. And, I remember one time uh, we were cutting checks and we were still, you know, handwriting checks back then, or Judd was, and uh, and uh, we ran out of checks. And so we're like, okay, well, you know, we won't cut our own checks. We'll cut it for everybody else. And then it just so happened that we, we were minus one for this guy, right? And mm-hmm. he's a smart ass anyway. So it's just, it just kind of worked <laughs> out. So of course, right? He comes in, he's like, oh, I'm here to get my checks. Like, oh man, sorry, we ran out of checks or whatever. And he, you know, he smarts off. He's like, oh, I'm sure you guys cut your check though, huh? Like, and he was kind of being tongue in cheek, kind of being yeah. funny. And man, we were just like, well, listen up, like, <laughs> like we actually hadn't even cut our own checks and we ordered checks and it'll be a little while, but don't worry, we'll go get a temporary check for you from yeah. the bank. And, and he's like, all right, well, sorry about that. And, you know, it, it was, we were just kind of messing with him a little bit, but, yeah. um, but yeah, you have to, man, if, cause case in point, like yeah. if, if your guys figure out if, you know, the perception is that you're lining your own pockets and you're not worried about any of these guys, which you are, it just, it looks horrible. It's terrible. Yeah. Morale and all, it's just, it's, it, that's a bad way to, bad way to run things. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's the, I think that's the frustration that I get in this country is, and this is not meant to be a political statement. It'll sound like a political statement, but it's not. It's actually, most people don't even know where I lie on the spectrum. They don't mm-hmm. know if I'm left, right, center, whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Crazy green party, libertarian, whatever. <laughs> right. But you have all these people going, give me mine, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, okay, you want me because, yeah, I've received the benefit of a lot of this to just hand this over, but you're one element. See, you as an employee have shown up every day and only had to worry about yourself. Right. I've had to worry about 
every single person. And the one thing I can promise you is every one of my employees got paid before I did. Yeah. And so now, because I've taken that risk and I've taken that pain and I've lost that sleep and I'm answering my phone at night, on weekends, on holidays, on vacation, mm-hmm. on a laptop when I'm in Europe with my daughter and all this, and then now you, you're you entitled to more. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I'm sitting there going, why are you entitled to more? Now, I am willing to pay based on performance, right? And I'm not saying any one of my current employees have done this. I'm just trying sure. to... Cap, you know, capsulate the the entire mentality of owning a business with you get all this, well, I should get more, or you should do this and all that. And I'm sitting there going, you're not the one with sleepless nights. So you want to get more of a bigger piece of the pie. Yeah. But you don't want to lose your sleep. Right. You want to be able to go to the ball games with little Johnny. You want to be able to go on vacations and not be and interrupted. Turn your phone off. Yeah. You want to take some of that PTO and go do all this. What yeah. you don't want to do is lose all the sleep, but you want to be entitled. Yeah. And and, I, and I'm really getting annoyed in this country hearing how more and people think that they should be entitled to something. When I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, when you're willing to lose sleep like I have, yeah. then I'll be willing to have that conversation yeah. with you, right? Because right now, you're not. As a matter of fact, I had a guest on before. And I said, look, people fall into one of three categories. Either they don't want to be a business owner at all, right? They're Mm -hmm. like, nope, don't even want to. I I want to do my 40 and go home. Good. And we need those folks. Absolutely. And then you have the people that are employees that are, you know, falling in one of two categories. The category of entrepreneur spirit and entrepreneur courage. And what I mean by that is you have a lot of people that either may be capable of owning and running their own business but they just don't have the desire to go do it. Sure. Or you have people that have the desire to go do it, but they really don't have the capability to go do it. Or they have neither desire or the capability. Mm-hmm. Then you have the entrepreneur courage, which is, do you know how much sleep I've lost? Do you know how much money I have reinvested? How many hours I have poured in? And then now you just want to show up or the government, whoever's running for whatever office go, oh, well, you should just give more away. Like, yeah. like what did you do? Especially career politicians, right? Yeah. You have to have politicians. I get that. But when I hear a career politician after four decades in business going, well, this is what you should do. Like, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. You've had the security of a yeah. check. You haven't had a real job. Yeah, really. yeah. You've and had the security like, yeah. of a check, but I've lost all this sleep. And you, because you have the security of a check, should determine what I'm going to go do with my money. Yeah. Like, come on, seriously? Yeah. Oh, I should give more? And then I think back to guys like you and I, how much, like I said earlier on this episode, how charitable we have been, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I give to tons of charities, right? I, and, I, and I've and i been very, very generous. And that's why I get really annoyed when somebody says, oh, you know what you should do? And I'm like, well, what you should go do mm-hmm. is go do what I've done mm-hmm. and then come back and have that same conversation because what you have is a different perspective because you've never had to hold the bag, either when it's money or when it's the debt, yeah. whether it's the assets or the liabilities. But you feel like you can show up and just tell me, this is what you should go do. And of course, you know, I can think of very flavorful four letter words and tell them what they should go sure, do. Right. Sure. And, and so now we get through all this, like the experience of like going, Hey, where, where were you when you were getting the security of your check that I had to look at over a hundred people and say, I'm sorry, sorry I got to, yeah. I got to lay you off because this is what happened. I had no control over it. And now I'm going to go lose sleep. Yeah. I'm going to be the one that's going to continue the stress of all this until I can bring these people back yeah. and try to put them back to work. Right. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, and that's my, that's as far as I'll go down that 
that tangent because I could really just do an entire we could talk for hours. series sure, on, sure. on that. We could talk is, for hours about it. So you've done all this to getting good, then COVID hits. Yeah. Right. Okay. So this is really a two part question is COVID hits where no one really expected the whole world to shut down. So I want to know what was it like for you and your company now experiencing yet another major catastrophe in the market. And with that being said is, did your experience from 2014 help prepare you for whatever actions you may or may not have taken after the pandemic hit? Yeah. Um, obviously it came as a shock, you know, to everybody. I mean, there was, yeah. there was COVID, right. But then there was the Russian Saudi price war. It's something that kind of gets glossed over these days that, 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 you know, again, you read these articles and you're like, oh, it's because people aren't driving and flying, which is which is a huge part of it. But it was also the the, the price war between these guys that got started. And, you know, there's uh, depending on, you know, what rabbit hole you want to go down there. There's it's sometimes very suspect that, oh, hey, we have this world pandemic that everybody's getting shut down. And then, oh, all of a sudden the Russians and the Saudis want to have a coincidentally coincidental you know, mm-hmm. price war and, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste kind of thing. And uh <laughs> So then you saw, then you saw the negative 40, you know, oil, you know, one day and everybody's like, okay, well, this is, you know, this is the apocalypse, right? Everybody. (laughs) And it was just the market, you know, rebound the next day. And it was, it was, I forget what it got to. It was, it was extremely low, obviously. Um, So, yeah, I mean, going through, going through a couple of downturns, you know, uh, we try to run, run as lean and mean as possible. We've, we've had, we've had clients that just shove it down our throats. Like you have to hire more guys. You have to hire more guys, which is great. It's more money in our pocket. Um, but it just becomes a pain to manage and keep all those going, hiring and firing and all that kind of stuff. And um, this one in particular was like, basically, if you don't hire 25 people right right now, we're going to sort of find somebody else to do it kind of thing. And I'm just like, how are we going to scale up 25 people? That That's such a burden on us just to bring people in. And half these guys didn't know what they were doing, but that's what the client wanted. So you're just like, okay. So now we're much more, um, just more, much more aware and cognizant of that. So clients like, hey, we probably need like five more guys. And it's like, eh, we probably need like two. Yeah. Realistically to get, to get these things down. I've got a really good guy over here. He can take care of X, Y, and Z. Um, um, and so we're, we're just a lot better about keeping it as, as, as lean as possible. Um, and that, that affects the bottom line, right? I mean, also for the clients and everybody else is like, that's, that's their money too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can get it done cheaper and for the same amount of time or faster than that makes us look way better. Right. And so, um, yeah, uh, March, April, I guess is when all this stuff started going down. Um, I don't remember the numbers we were at. I think we were at about 60 guys, 50, 60 scaled down to like 15. And then I think we're back to like 20 now. So not, not terrible. Uh, yeah. there, there's other groups out there that uh, aren't faring as well, as well that aren't even around. So percentage wise, you didn't have to lay off as many percentage wise this round right. as you had to in 2014. Right. But I think most of that was a product of um, not, not uh, having a lot of fat to trim. Right. Like right. we didn't have a lot of just guys. Right. We, we right. had the, we had the right we had the right guys in place for for those projects. And um, um, not, there wasn't any extra, you know, admin or, or, you know, gophers or anything like that. We just we just didn't we just know better now. Not, not we just don't need those things. And, and um, experience is a wonderful thing. And yeah. It? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it definitely helps. So, uh, again, it's unfortunate. There's there's a handful of guys that, that we had to like uh, we've we've. We've brought them back on temporary deals. I've connected them with with other groups, you know, as best I can. Like, hey, call so and so, call so and so. I've I've connected them with with groups. They have gotten jobs there, so I'm really thankful of that. Um, uh, and that. So, um, yeah. So that hit. I mean, not a whole lot as far as like the day to day 
changed other than there just wasn't a whole lot going on. Um, there were, there were still projects and things we're doing, you know, a lot of, a lot of these companies have, have the prices hedged out for the year and then for, for this year, 2021. Um, so those are still, still going, but other groups, you know, were not hedged and they're not healthy. And, and so, um, and I should, I should make a point too, that like our own, the, uh, of the clients we had, they're not all operators, right? Some are small mom and pop mineral companies, um, law firms, um, mineral buyers, you know, things like that. So it's a, it's a different, um, it's a different type of work in a different capacity. You know, it's not just traditional land work. There's other things that we do for them, but, um, uh, mostly for operators though. So, um, um, so yeah, I mean, as far as the day to day, nothing really changed other than everything was scaled back quite a bit and, and, uh, you know, getting out and networking and kind of developing business as best I can was like, you know, cranked up to 11. And so that's, that I've, I've kind of tried to focus on that as much as I could for the past however many months. Um, again, the same thing, right? You, you know, you're not bringing down anybody's neck. You're not, you know, being super aggressive with everything, but you just kind of gently remind everybody out there in the world that like, Hey, we're around, we're still working. I'd love to work for you. Uh, you know what we do. I know what you do. Um, you know, would love to, uh, would love to do that for you. And I think we do a good job and I think we do it better than some of these other guys. And, um, so yeah, just, just kind of just, uh, staying relevant and having a presence has been kind of my goal over the past several months. And again, just remind everybody, Hey, we're still here and still rock and rolling. Cause like I said, some groups aren't around anymore. Um, some big groups, like big, big names, like in my, in on the broker side that just aren't around anymore. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're like, like gone, not like temporarily gone, like, like gone, gone, gone. gone. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, which, which would shock you. And these are like Fort Worth household names that everybody knows. And so, um, uh, you know, so what was, you, what would you contribute to being, here it is. You got powerhouses that are closed forever and you're still <clears throat> chugging along. What would you say is the key ingredient that you have that allows you to still keep chugging along when other household names are gone forever? Um, probably scale. You know, a lot of those groups are pretty big. And so they had a lot of guys working them. Um, I know, you know, some of their rates could be a little, probably a little higher than ours and things like that. Um, you know, I guess it doesn't really surprise me with some of those, some of those bigger groups, cause they're working for the bigger operators, right. Uh, mm-hmm. and the bigger operators are the ones that were probably hit the hardest, you know, every, you know, they're not drilling any rigs, or, you know, they're not drilling anything right now. Rigs are slow, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think it's mainly just kind of the groups that we've aligned ourselves with, you know, the kind of slow and steady, like slow, slow and steady wins the race kind of thing. Now don't get me wrong. If EOG called me tomorrow and was like, Hey, I need, you know, 50 guys on the ground. I'd be like, yes, sir. Right away. Like we're, we're going for it. You know, those are, those are the calls you're like, you know, seeing dollar signs, but, uh, um, just aligning ourselves with certain people that could kind of keep us busy in groups and, and that, that are, have stuff to do that have just bought assets or assessed assets. Um, again, law firms are really good, uh, relationships. I love attorneys because they're, they're kind of in the same boat that we are, especially oil and gas attorneys, right? They're, they're, their client base is the same exact as ours, right? We just do a different kind of site. Like it's essentially the same work, but just kind of a different level, right? Mm-hmm. And so we can work in tandem a lot on stuff. And that's what I really like about HFB is that we've got a really good relationship with those guys. Um, and we're all, you know, kind of hunting for the same people and working for the same groups too. So it works out really well. It's like, hey, these, these attorneys do a great job. These, hey, Forza does a really great job. Works out really well, right? So that's a good point. Let's say I'm HFG 2.0 and... I'm looking around for uh, companies like yours to come do some work for me. And I hear Jared Clark at Forza. What, why, why would I hire you? Like, like, like if you had to sit there and you had a 30 second, uh, you know, you get the 30 second elevator speech to go, why do I hire you? What, why do I hire you? Um, 
just pedigree. Been around a long time. We've survived three downturns. Um, we've worked all over the freaking country <laughs> uh, in some kind of unique spots, right? Uh, South Texas, West Texas, East Texas. East Texas is very hard. I think most landmen will agree. Like it, it's a hard area to work. Louisiana is a totally different law. It's the Napoleonic law, right? It's completely different on the oil and gas side. Utah, Oklahoma, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, uh, Illinois, Kentucky, Washington, all over the damn place, right? So not only that, but like I said before, not just traditional operators, but mom and pop shops, small mineral buyers, law firms. Um, uh, we were talking to Baylor the other day about mapping all of their oil and gas assets across the country. I mean, it's 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 different uh, capacities that we've worked in that I feel have excelled at. Um, that that would probably be it. Is is the pedigree, our experiences. We try to keep as lean as possible or keep our rates low. Like I said, slow and steady. We don't we don't hit you with a massive bill at the end of this stuff. Um, you know, hopefully I haven't made too many mistakes along the way. Everybody makes mistakes, but it does happen. Um, and just being able to own up to those, you know, when they do happen. Hey, this is what happened. Here's why it happened. It's not going to happen again. Let's move on. If you guys are good to move on, right? Dev- never, ever, like, try to sweep anything under the rug, right? That yeah. will bite you in the ass so fast. Yeah. And, uh, and um I just think I think that transparency is super super important with with these guys, you know. Um, so it's uh, funny you say that. It just this stimulated thought in my head is in the Marine Corps when you're going going through boot camp, right? And you're always cleaning, you're always servicing, you're always doing something. Uh-huh. And we had these blankets that were on everybody's cots that you'd make the blankets, but they always caused like the little furry things to fall off that the drill instructors called ghost turds, right? And they were like, "Get all the ghost turds," because trust me. We're going to know when you don't, because even if I might not see it today, a breeze is going to come through. <laughs> that ghost turd is going to present <laughs> itself, and I'm going to know that you didn't get everything, right? Yeah. So it's really, really interesting to say. So it, would it be a fair statement to say is you, some of the key ingredients to your success is being smaller, agile, and the diversification of what you can do allows you to deliver the value for somebody that comes looking for your services. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, like I said, if, if some big dog operator comes along yeah. and says, Hey, we need, you know, somebody people on the ground, like get it going like, mm-hmm. yes, sir. Right away. I mean, it's, it's, it's not even going to, not going to hesitate. Right. But, right. um, um, yeah, I, I mean, I really do. Like I said, man, our, our office at Tyler was, uh, again, we're trying to keep our overhead so low. Right. Um, and so we were literally out of a freaking warehouse and it was like, literally we called it, we called it the warehouse office and <laughs> kind of tongue in cheek a little bit. And, um, but it's what we had to do, man. It's what we had yeah. to do to keep guys around. We wanted guys to come to the office still office, right? We, we wanted guys, we needed that cohesion. We need everybody working together. We don't, you know, we encourage guys to come to the office. They don't, they don't have to all the time. They're all contractors, right? Yeah. Um, but they're not just out lone wolfing it, you know, at the courthouse or sitting at, sitting at their own house, you know, watching Oprah while they're working, you know, mm-hmm. that, that doesn't, doesn't fly. So we highly and strongly encourage them to come to the office and, and, uh, and, and all that. Now that is not to say we don't have remote guys working cause we do. And that's, what's cool too, is a, a kind of our network of landmen. They're all over the state, which is, what's really nice. We got West Texas, like Austin area, South Texas. So when people do call like, Hey, I need something down here. I need, I need a project started here. It's like, Oh, I've got a guy in Houston that can hit the courthouse right now. Um, they can kind of run it, be the point man or point girl for it. Um, um, we have some guys in Louisiana, we have Colorado, uh, you know, some of those are on like a part-time basis, but we can just pick up the phone and get started ASAP, you know, which is nice. So, um, yeah, I think we learned to just not scale up, you know, again, you see dollar signs and you're like, man, okay, we could have a hundred guys working for us and this would be good to go. But, um, it's a lot of headache and yeah. I'd rather, like I said, go home and, you know, leave work five, six, whatever it is. And I have to worry about looking at my phone every damn minute, um, uh, to keep everything, 
keep everything going. So, yeah. Well, let's talk about home for a second. This yep. is a good transition point. Yep. Um, this is a, yet there's, I have so much respect for you and admiration for you on so many different levels is so the audience has got to hear for the last hour or so, the insane amount of hours <laughs> that you put in still continue to put in the insane, insane amount of sacrifices you made through three downturns and just all this that just mm-hmm. with that alone, with nothing else involved in your life is taxing enough for probably even a high performer to be like, oh, my God, that's that. that I don't think I can drink an ounce of anything else. <laughs> you don't have that luxury. You got you you you, you got married. Right. And you got two kiddos now. Mm-hmm. Right. You didn't have a third no. during the pandemic that no, I didn't know about, no, right? So no. you had two kiddos, right? You had two kiddos. Um, so here it is. You're doing all this. You're making all these sacrifices. And, you know, most people, when they do get a chance to finally go home and disconnect, you go home and you got your plate full again, don't you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure do, man. Um, the, uh, yeah, two girls, um, which in and of itself is, you know, uh, I will say, I will say with girls, I, my, my partner has two girls too. And he said this to me a while ago. He's like, you know, he's like, I always wanted a boy, you know, throw the football around, all that fun stuff. He's like, but honestly, man, I wouldn't trade anything for these two girls. And I'm like, man, I kind of agree with him. Like boys are kind of a handful, honestly. Yeah. I understand girls become a handful as they get older. Um, but I'm with y'all by the way. Yeah. Is you're king of the kingdom. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and the girls, boys are going to admire you. Girls are going to love you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And oh, you for feel sure. that love. You see it. You see it when they look at you and you just go, you know what? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel, man, that's, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love that a, a, analogy. Yeah. So let's, let's tell the audience yeah. about the full-time job you get to go to yeah. when you go home. So, so, uh, Anna, first daughter. So she, uh, was born with OI, it's osteogenesis imperfecta, um, essentially brittle bones, like weak bones, um, several different, um, classifications of it. It used to be type one through three. Now there's like 16 different types, but it's really more specific to the person, you know, to, to the individual. So, um, like I said, so she has, so she has weak, weak bones and she's pretty petite for her age. She's three now. Um, geez. Yeah. She's three now. So she's talking and all that fun stuff. Um, so we learned, you know, that, that she had this, uh, affliction, I guess, uh, in, in the womb. So we were made aware of it and kind of prepare for it a little bit and, um, so it actually caused some bowing in her bones. Um, here in March, actually, we're going to get some rods put in, some titanium rods put in her femurs and eventually the the lower leg and then eventually the arms and things. But um, so her mobility is pretty limited, right? I mean, she really can't get around on her own. Um, uh, she kind of sort of crawl, but there's that threshold. We're not fully, uh, we haven't fully explored because, you know, once they kind of go to, you don't want them to break anything, right? I mean, gee, I mean, just not to get too much into it. I mean, she broke. Uh, she has a, a micro fracture on her femur, like literally just the other day, like her leg got caught in her wheelchair spokes. And so, and I'm, I'm kind of making light of it. I'm trying not to get too, too, uh, you know, serious about it or whatever. But, um, so yeah, obviously extremely taxing and, uh, 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 uncharted territory. First kid didn't know what that, you know, kids already are difficult. You'd have no idea what you're doing in the first one. You know, you're just like oh, I'm having a kid. And then you put that on top of it. Um, Definitely very challenging. So keeping like positive and keeping um, kind of looking to the future is 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 uh, is important. Um, what's I try to look at the good and everything, right? There's always grass is always greener, but also the grass is always frankly shittier on the sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like just to be real honest, I mean, yeah, you think you got it bad, but some people have it way worse and are are not as fortunate as you are. Um, so 
try to be, you know, very positive. So cognitively, she's 100%. She's super smart, just like her mom. Her, her mom, my wife is way smarter than I am. It's ridiculous how much smarter she is. Um, she's a pharmacist and just, yeah, I, I don't even know why she married me, honestly. <laughs> so, uh, so cognitively, Anna is, is 100%. She's awesome. She talks and, and all that fun stuff, but just uh, uh, physically challenged. Um, and so she's, she has a wheelchair she, we help her get into. And we're hoping with, you know, putting the rods in, which is a, which is an eight hour surgery. It's not easy. Right. I mean, it's each leg is four hours. I think, um, surgery is surgery, right. Regardless of what it is, that's, you know, going in and she's had, she has, she has a central line because she takes a, a, a medicine called, uh, They developed in the eighties supposed to reinforce, essentially reinforce the bones long and short of it. So she has an absorption issue is what it is. So you know how like every six years, your body, every cell in your body is different from what it was before, whatever, essentially your, your bones are doing the same thing. Right. So there's, um, calcium, which makes up your bones. So drink your milk, right. That increases your calcium, um, and collagen. And so the way it was explained to me was collagen. So calcium is like the concrete and collagen is the rebar to the, to the, um, to the calcium. So it's actually a, a, a an absorption issue. So it doesn't reabsorb like you and I do. Um, and so what the midgenate does, is it helps that process and it, it helps to technically reinforce the bones. So she started taking that when she was little, she got a central line put in, which is a lot of like a cancer patients have central lines that go directly, you know, into their, into their, I guess, jugular. Um, and so, you know, right out of the womb, she's having surgery to get that put in. And, um, she was born with multiple fractures. Uh, I don't even think they counted how many, cause it was like every, everything was broken essentially. Um, not everything, but clavicle, all the lung bones, several ribs, a couple of the vertebrae. Um, uh, so, so yeah, so there's, there was that right out, right out the womb. And so we spent, I think three to four weeks, my wife would be mad. I'm probably butchering all this, uh, three to four weeks in the NICU at cooks cooks is fantastic by the way. Uh, they've been, they've been a huge, um, they've been a huge supporter of us. And oddly enough, coincidentally enough, we had gotten involved with cooks prior to that because our neighbors worked there and, and we've been kind of involved in that. So what a weird, what a strange coincidence, right? Fate, if you will, that, uh, we happened to have to spend a lot of time at cooks and we already knew a lot of people that worked over there and uh, on the foundation side and, and, and all that. So, um, uh, I thought, I thought that was pretty interesting. So, um, yeah, so she is, you know, going to be, you know, physically challenged the, the rest of her life. There's no cure for this thing. It's a genetic mutation. It doesn't, you know, you don't fix it or anything like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty particular or careful with my wording. You know, I don't, I don't want to say like different or anything. She's just, just not typical. Right. You know, um, uh, probably the biggest challenge for me, cause I'm such a social guy, you know, I just love getting out there and, and, and I think it's important for kids to be socialized and everything else. And she does socialize. She's got, uh, uh, cousins and, you know, family and all that fun stuff and kids in the neighborhood and things like that. Um, you know, the, uh, it's just going to be different for her growing up. You know, it's, it's going to be a lot different that she's going to, you know, it, physically a, but also social situations will be different just because they are different for me. And that's just frankly human nature. If you're just not exactly like me, it's, just, you know, it's, it's, you know, how it is. it's just, you know, Anyway, so that'll probably be the biggest uh, challenge for her and that, that that I will probably struggle with the most as she gets older. Again, because, you know, I, I just love people. I love being around people. And, you know, I want her to kind of experience those things, too. And it'll just be it'll be harder for her, you know. So, um, so yeah, I kind of went on there. I don't know if you have any no, questions or anything. Yeah. No, um, that's great. Um, so let me ask you a question. Yeah. And this might be a very 
sensitive. Okay. It's a landmine. If it is, you could say, nope, not touching that today. Um, and, and that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we live in a world today where it seems like dialogue doesn't occur like you and I sitting here right now, mm-hmm. right? People are more opinionated, putting things out instead of having conversations or being ignorant, not learning more about a topic or a person or something like that. Right. Sure. And we live in a world where it seems like cruelty is much worse than what it was maybe when you and I were your daughter's age. Mm -hmm. Do you ever have like thoughts or feelings of like, at some point someone's going to be an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, does that run through your head at all? Like how she's going to react to it and how can you prepare her for that? Yeah. I don't, I mean, you know, I think at a younger age when she's, yeah, that's, that's actually really tough. Um, when she's kind of able to cognitively understand it, just kind of have a very real and straightforward conversation with her. Like, you know, uh, not to get too worked up here, like you are different than everybody else. And that's a fact. Like that's, that's what it is. And that's okay. Yeah. It's okay to be different. Um, uh, but you just need to understand that, that you are, and that's just the hand you were dealt. And, uh, um, and that's fine. It's, it's a challenge. We'll figure it out. You're, you know, we, you know, thankfully, you know, we have, um, the means, you know, to, to take care of her and loving parents and loving family and, you know, big white family. And, um, you know, as she gets older, we're, I mean, she's going to have whatever the hell she wants. Right. I mean, she's, you know, she's going to go to college. She's going to do all those things. We, we met a, an OI, a, a, a person that has OI. She's 35 now. She works for NASA. She's married, went to A&M. Great example of like what, you know, what you can, what you can do with this. And there's, there's more severe cases of it too. Like she's, and has only had like, I say only, I think she's had like eight to 10 breaks since, you know, since the womb, um, or since coming out. Um, there's some kids that have 60 breaks a year, hundred breaks a year. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? So you really, you really put it in perspective that like, this is hard and this, you know, this sucks. Uh, but it's not the end of the world. Right. I mean, she's, again, she's, she's strong girl. She's super smart. She does all her things. She has all the means to, to do these things. She's got her little wheelchair and, um, you know, we're, you know, the goal is that she'll be like, maybe in like a walker, maybe walk on her own someday, you know, with, with cane or something. Right. Um, I'm not just like giving up, you know, on that. And I think that was like, that was probably the hard part with, um, going through the hospital and everything else. There was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of sympathy, which is fine. You know, uh, I'm just, I've never been one for like sympathy or like hand. It's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. This has happened to you. I'm like, well, don't be sorry. Like help, mm-hmm. help me. Yeah. Like, like I don't need like, and not that I'm not grateful for, but like, I don't need your sympathy. Like, I just need you to help me, like help us do this thing. Like treat her like any other kid. Cause she is like any other kid. Right. Um, uh, uh, yeah, uh, it just, yeah, that was, so I'm saying all that and that her, her, case is not mild it's kind of middle of the road for because some some OI patients are like you and I like and you don't even know that you have it unless you like you know you or I'll step off a curb and we'll twist our ankle but an OI patient would like break their ankle right very very mild cases of and there's very severe cases like I talked about and so it really puts it in perspective that like you know and, and, I, and I don't want to um how do I say this I don't want to uh, take away from anybody else's burdens especially with their kids but there are kids with cancer out there there are kids with afflictions and things that are, that are very severe, you know, very debilitating. And, um, I almost hate to say this, but like, we don't, we don't have that, those issues. We don't have those very serious issues. We go to the infusion center, uh, every six weeks, I think to get the pimenginate. It's, it's crazy. It's a, 
it's a four hour infusion. Um, it's actually a really small dosage, but they shit ton of saline in there and they, it goes over four hours. So imagine keeping like a three year old still for like three, you know, for four hours and it's a lot of iPhone and games and everything else. And so we go to the infusion center at Cook's and dude, you're surrounded by cancer patients and all these other things. And, and you're just, you, again, like I said, the grass is always greener, but also it, it could, it, it could be worse. And again, I don't want to detract from anybody else's issues that they have. And, 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 uh, but, but we're not in those shoes, thankfully. And, and, and we can move forward and she can have a very productive and healthy life. And, um, just trying to give her all those things and go to college and, uh, uh, yeah. And she has a sister now. So yeah. that'll be huge. Like having yeah. a sibling and, and, and cousins and everything. And, um, yeah, I'm kind of, you know, there's a, there was a whole lot over three years, right. That, that right. very, very bad and dark and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, going to the other room to kind of let out some emotions and coming back and like, you know, keeping, you know, keeping, uh, keeping, uh, everybody level headed with, with everything and, and vice versa. Marv's really good about that kind of stuff. And her being in medicine too has tremendously helped. She's a pharmacist. Yeah. And so has helped tremendously. We'll go, we'll go to these doctor's visits and they're just like sitting there saying all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm just a landman. I'm an idiot. I don't know. Like y'all are way smarter than I am. And I'm just like, sure. sounds great doc. Like, I, you know, I don't know what the hell they're saying. And so, uh, having her have that background is, I think has been like, you know, I think a kind of me kind of being very positive, like the eternal optimist, you know, then having her, uh, very grounded, um, knowledge of medical field and how all this stuff works has been, has been huge, you know, to, uh, to kind of get through everything. So, so yeah, man, I don't, I don't see it. I really don't see it as much of a burden. Um, uh, the biggest thing, and I tell the guys that work this all the time, is like, I don't ever want what I have to do with her to like influence too much. Like I don't want it to get in the way of work. Right. So I try to keep it to myself. I try to keep like, even if I'm at the hospital or we're dealing with a broken leg or whatever, like I try not to let that get into the work stuff. Like I try to make, make, let that be an excuse. Like, Hey man, I'm sorry. I got to call you back. I'm dealing with my daughter or whatever. Like, right. I, I try to just be like, give me like five, 10 minutes or give me a half hour. I'll call you back. I promise, yeah. you know, we'll address that. I'll, you know, I'll hit that email. Cause you know, uh, everybody has their own other stuff they're doing, you know, they've got their own kids and their own mortgages and stuff they have to deal with, you know? So it's like, I'm trying not to burden too many other people with, you know, the woe is me type thing. I just, you know, again, I don't, I don't need the sympathy. I just need the help, you know, just to help us out. Just, has there, has there been like a lot of medical bills that, that come in with, with this? Or? Uh, yeah, thankfully, uh, my wife's, uh, insurance is fantastic. Uh, she works yeah. at the county hospital, JPS. Yeah. So, so her insurance is great, but yeah, there's a lot out of pocket. Um, um, there's a, there's a lot out of pocket. Uh, probably the most significant, um, has been a nanny versus, um, uh, childcare versus a uh, daycare. So we had talked to a couple of daycares around like some nicer ones. Um, um, and then we talked about it initially, but then they were just like, man, we just, we're just not sure. Like the biggest concern with them is just other kids. Right. If they yeah. just, they're, they're rough with her or whatever. There's a liability thing. It's like, okay, well that kind of sucks. But I think in the, in the, in the, in the hindsight, that actually works a little better. So paying a nanny is obviously a little bit more than a, than childcare, uh, daycare. So, um, that's been a pretty significant one, um, uh, too, but, um, so yes, to answer your question. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So if I'm, if I'm a parent that, that realizes I'm going to have uh, a kid with a disability and that's coming and, and I come to you and I'm like, Hey man, what's, what's one piece of advice you could just give me? What would you, what would you tell a, a parent that is getting ready to have not just another kid, but their very first kid? Like you said, it's scary going into having one kid alone going, man, this thing didn't come with a manual, you yeah, know, yeah. let alone, uh, this is going to require a lot more time, energy and money. 
than I would have ever even remotely anticipated. What is the one thing you would you would tell another parent? <sighs> Stay positive, man. Like you just you just have to like you know tomorrow's coming. You know it will come. Um, uh, you know spending time in the NICU put put a lot of stuff in perspective. Kind of like what I was saying earlier. Yeah. Um, you see some of these other kids and what they're going through like right out of the womb. You're like, oh my god, man. And you know you you think of some of these. You know, thankfully, I have a flexible enough job and career that I can essentially do what I need to do from a laptop and from my phone, you know, other than meetings and things like that. Right. For, for the most part. Yeah. So I can post up sleepless nights in the NICU and do what I need to do for the most part. Um, you see some of these other parents that are working you know, blue collar, nine to fives, hourly jobs. You're just like, how in the hell do you do this? So I have so much more respect and kind of open my eyes to, you know, you can't just post up in a hospital if you're a construction worker. Right. You can't right. just hang out there all the time. Um and so I think I think the biggest advice is yeah just just you got to stay positive you got to know that there's there's a lot of good that's coming out of that and that um, again I hate using this as a as a you know it, there's other people that are worse off than you yeah there there just is there's always gonna be somebody worse off than you in the world and, yeah. and I, that, that that's terrible for them and I'm sorry but um, um, you, you just yeah you just you just got to You got to count your blessings, right? That's um, a funny thing about yeah. perspective too. Is anytime you're sitting here having a "woe is me" moment, you'll see, hear, or read, or watch something that goes, mm. "Wow, yeah. all things considered, I really don't have any problems." Yeah, right, right. And, oh yeah, and, and, and that makes sense coming from you because I mean you're just one of the most genuine and positive and friendly people that I know that that, that that's that's great man that's yeah it's great well like like it goes back to that like it goes it goes back to just uh uh just again eternally optimistic and and knowing that you know there's there's always bigger and better things out there kind of, kind of go back to what you're saying is like we're spoiled <laughs> as a country right these days like mm-hmm. talking about counting your blessings like and so I've said that before and I remember sitting in the hospital like just looking around the room like thank thank god we're here in Fort Worth that we're here in Texas, that we're here in America and we have this amazing medical, you know, uh, services, things. And I know it's expensive and I know it's not a perfect system. I totally understand that. But at the same time, I'm just looking around this room and all of the care and the, the nurses and the doctors and this, you know, this freaking equipment that who knows how much money it costs. I'm just like modern medicine is the most amazing thing. It's just unbelievable what they can do with some of these like NICU babies. And, uh, and you know, that we have the power is always on that we have all these, you know, plastic tubes. Where's plastic come from? Oil and gas. Like, you know, you, like it really, you just, you, yeah. you know, when you're late at night at the NICU, you're just yeah, like yeah. thinking all these random things. You're like, Oh yeah, that's made of, that's made of petroleum. Anyway. Yeah. Um, and so you, 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 I mean, it just, I already knew that about my, you know, my take on America and me and all that kind of stuff. But everything was reaffirmed when we had kids, like, thank God we live in America and thank God we live in Texas and we're surrounded by all these great things. And so, um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, well, going on there. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's go back to 20-year-old Jerry. And <laughs> there's a million things we would want to go back and tell ourselves, Not right? Like a sophomore or <laughs> junior in college? I don't even know, man. I don't even know what if I was there doing. was one thing that you could go back, grab yourself by the ears and go either do this or don't do this. If they're not going to listen to anything else, because naturally we wouldn't at that age. There was just this one thing that you had to force yourself to listen to through your experiences in life. Now, what is that one thing you would tell yourself? Oh my God. Um, you know, college and post-college, I think I said this before, you know, I didn't, I didn't know I was going to even get into oil and gas, even in college uh, and then, you know, have a business and all that stuff. Um, you know, uh, you know, be patient. It's probably the biggest thing, you know, like you're always a little bit anxious, like something, you know, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. It's, you know, patience is patience is knowing it's going to happen and 
what, how's it go? It's like patience is knowing it will happen and giving it time to, right? That's like the big thing is that knowing that these things will work out. Um, and then like you, you really can't please everybody. Right. And, and it goes back to what I was saying about people are, most people are good at one thing and you just need to stick to that. Like, don't be a Renaissance man. If there, there are people that are really, really good at that being good at everything. Right. Um, but what I've learned when, when we try to, when I personally try to veer off and to do some of these other things, I'm just like, why am I doing that? Like I'm good at these handful of things. Just stick with that. And, and that's what I would probably tell my, my younger self, I guess, like, Hey, you're good at these things. Don't try to run down all these different paths and please all these different people. Like, um, um, just do what you're good at and stick with it and, and you'll, you'll be fine. Right. Um, um, easier said than done, especially, especially running a business. You've got a million things going on. Right. Yeah. But I think that's, what's good with my, my partner and I is that he's really good at some things. I'm really good at other things and that, you know, the yin and the yang work really well. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's probably what I would tell him along with all these other things. Hey, don't do this on this day. Don't do this on this day. <laughs> Ignore that. And, yeah. yeah. Good Lord. I could write a novel. Oh, so the audience out here, yep. how do they get, in, how, let's say somebody wants to reach out to you. They're, yep. they're either looking for a job or they're looking to be an investor. Or they're just learning, want to learn more about you. Want a fellow parent that yep. wants to talk to another parent that, you know, has a, a, a kid not born in a normal way. How does somebody get a hold of you? Uh, just, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn, just Jared Clark. Fort Worth, probably pretty simple search in the in the LinkedIn little search box there. Uh, our website, ForzaResources.com, I've got a link to our um, inquiry page and my email, I think, is our, both of our emails are on there. Um, and I'm always at the Fort Worth Club with Jeremy. So yeah. you can uh, <laughs> you can you can find me up there. Uh, I need to get there more often. With COVID, it's been a little more it's difficult. It's a little weird, to, isn't it? But yeah. I, uh, yeah, I need to uh, I need to get up there more often. Um, um, but yeah, always always looking to, to to make a new relationship with people. I love people. I love being around people. Um, again, either professionally, socially, uh, I just I, I I just I just like getting out and and meeting folks. So yeah, happy to. Man, thank you again for coming yeah. on. I yeah. appreciate your time. Happy and, to do it, man. Yeah. Uh, looking forward for yeah. that next beer at the club. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely, man. All thanks right. so much. Yeah, yeah appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, brother. All right. Yeah, that was good. Dude, this is great. I like that. That was great.